Hello and welcome to Mirror Fighting One to Watch. I'm Rich Jones and today I'm joined by Jonathan Kumateo, one of Frank Warren's prospects who is awaiting his pro debut after battling a rare skin condition to turn professional. So yeah, Jonathan, you tried to sort of go back to the uh, beginning really. So you were born in uh, Zaire at the time, Democratic of Congo, Democratic Republic of Congo now. And um, yeah, then you were sort of six, seven years old, was it, when you moved to the UK? Tell us a little bit about, um, about those early experiences you had. Yeah, to be fair, I don't really remember my time in Congo because we actually moved to Zambia in 2000 um, due to the civil war that was, you know, going on in Congo at the time. So I do remember my last few days in Zambia um, very vaguely. It's almost like a dream now. But um, I mean, what I really remember was, you know, going to school out there and just, in a sense, always playing. I don't have any um, negative recollections of Africa as such. So, um, you know, but it's been a very long time. I haven't been to Congo since I left in 2000. So I'm very um, interested to go back once this pandemic is over. Yeah, and you tell us the story of how you uh, ended up in the UK as well. I think you were only young when you sort of got put on a a plane and uh, yeah, over to London it was. Yeah, well, you know, it was March 2003 coming up 18 years um, in, a, in a month, next month. And literally, my mom woke me up in the early morning, middle of the night, and she literally told me, um, Jonathan, um, you're going to live in London um, with your dad. And literally, <laughs> she took me to the airport, put me on a plane on my own, and here I am. 18 years later. Yeah, what was it like sort of uh, acclimatising to life in London? I imagine your life sort of changed overnight. What was it like when you arrived? And uh, do you remember sort of the first few few days when you got here? Yeah, uh, it's funny because it happened so quick. I didn't really get a chance to really like, take it in, if that makes sense. But one thing I definitely remember was when I was on the plane, because I was on my own, I couldn't go to the toilet and I needed to go to the toilet, right? And the previous time when I had been on a plane, you know, the toilet made so much noise. So this time around, I was so scared. I literally, like, tried to sleep the whole journey. And then, you know, when I got to the airport, you know, I was going to, there were, the air hostess was walking me to, um, to collections um, to meet my dad. And we were walking so much. And for so long, I felt like he didn't come to get me. And then I thought maybe I, did, I wouldn't know or recognize him because I'd only really seen him in pictures, if that made sense, because he moved over to the UK just when I was two years old. So then when I finally saw him, it was like a huge relief. And I literally recognized him straight away. And then my first few days, they were, they were very different, but I wouldn't. I don't know how I really reacted to it, if that made sense. Um, And also because I already spoke English before I came to the UK, I didn't think it was like a a very difficult transition, if that made sense. Yeah, and you, uh, I think you sort of, quite early on was it you sort of joined the cadets and I know you mentioned to me before the cadets were quite a big part of your life sort of growing up. Just tell me a bit about how you ended up going there and how that sort of shaped your childhood. You seem to have good memories of that when we spoke previously. Yeah, so when I came to the UK, I was living in North London, Collindale. And then I went to a school called Orion Primary School, which is in Collindale. And then one day, 
the um, sea cadets came to do a presentation at school. And then, you know, that really got my attention. And then I remember going home and asking my dad, you know, can you take me to um, the cadets? And then he was, he didn't know what it was either. You know, he took me down and it was very intriguing to say the least. It was something very different. You know, we were kind of used to just playing sport and, you know, I tried it out for a few months. It was weird at first, but I really came to like it and appreciate it a lot. And I still do, you know, there's only two things I've ever wanted to be in life. One was to be, um, at Admiral of the Fleet in the Royal Navy, <laughs> um, which is, you know, looking back, it's aiming really, really high because, you know, there's not many at all and to be a professional boxer. However, I actually didn't know that you can be a boxer whilst you're in the Navy. So, you know, I should have thought about that. <laughs> Yeah, and you say you sort of you moved over to be with your dad, who I think you said before was uh, who was studying here. Is that right? And then did when did your mom your mom came and joined you a few years later? Is that right? The, the, yeah, so, a few years later. Yeah, so I think it was about three or so years later, my mom finally joined us, and um, yeah, I mean it was very different because I went from just living with my mom to now living with my dad, but the transition happened so much. You know, I guess I was just very versatile. I adjusted very quickly. So, you know, I it was it was it was different, but it was also great. But before I came to the UK, I actually watched BBC News all the time. So, you know, I was familiar with pretty much just Parliament, Big Ben, and a few programs. Other than that, I remember coming and it snowed in two thousand and four, and I was just like, wow. This is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> and um, when did you discover boxing then? When did the boxing journey start? When did you first set foot in the boxing gym and how did that, that come about? Yeah, so initially I watched Mayweather versus Hatton. That was actually probably one of my first proper fights that I did watch. And then I still wasn't really interested in the sport. It wasn't until David Hay boxed Valuev for the heavyweight title. That's when I really tapped in. Like, okay, oh, wow, you know. This is very um, interesting to say the least, but I still wasn't a fan, if that made sense. And then it wasn't until a few of my friends from school kept on starting, kept on challenging me to go down to the boxing gym and spar them. And at first, I really wasn't interested because, you know, I was scared of going home to black eye, bruised face, and then, you know, what my mom would say to that because, you know, I had. I always had to face my mum when I got home, if that made sense. So, and coming from a strict background, I just felt as though my mum wouldn't approve, if that made sense. So it took a little bit of encouragement, but I finally went down when I moved to an area called Barnet, and one of my neighbours turned out to be a boxer. So then I said, you know what, I'm going to go down. It was September 2011, and I literally felt at home as soon as I entered Finchley. ABC and it was like wow I'm home and it was love at first sight yeah obviously a pretty famous uh, boxing gym now because of obviously everything Anthony Joshua has gone on to achieve and um, 
yeah, I think Sean Murphy, who coached Anthony Joshua, has been sort of your coach over the years. Were they? Mm-hmm. Was that was AJ still around at that time? Sort of around Finchley ABC, or was he? Yeah, at the time, time? At, at the time when I started, he was in the GB squad, yeah. um, preparing for the Olympics. But he did used to come down every now and then. And I also want to add, you know, obviously we had the likes of Derek Chisora, and um, at one point Shannon Courtney also boxed for Finchley ABC. And a few other um, top pros and amateurs. So I think a lot of champions have definitely come out of that gym. Yeah. Did you? You say you sort of felt at home straight away. Did you? Did you pick the sport up pretty quickly? Did you find the sort of natural talent for it when you sort of got in the ring? You know what? Essentially, it wasn't so easy. I mean, I've always been athletic, but I do remember really struggling to throw a straight right hand. It took me like a year, but once I got the one-two going it was too easy if that made sense but other than that you know I'm very versatile I like challenges and I'm generally always athletic and very competitive so I would say that for the first year it was quite difficult but I stuck at it and then after a year I guess it became easier but harder at the same time if that makes sense yeah and then you sort of got your amateur career going, started to do quite well. And then how far down the line was it that you then had the uh, sort of health problems that, that came back? And just tell us a bit about when, when that first happened. Yeah, it was weird because as an amateur, I only had about 30 fights. And, you know, my coach, Sean Murphy, says that I should have had at least double, but I would put it down to my health problems that I had with hydrogenitis supertiva which is, you know, a, um, a skin disease, which affects your sweat glands, predominantly your, under, your underarms, your groin area, and some people, unfortunately, all over their body. And that started about a few years into my boxing career. So I, I had my first fight in October 2012. And then I would say the HS started about late 2015 you know, which was pretty much halfway through my amateur career because I boxed for Finchley between 2012 and 2019. And the HS kind of came from came from nowhere pretty much, didn't it? I remember you, you telling me about this before. It was sort of came from, came from nowhere the first time that you, you found out about it. Yeah, it was crazy because it actually took two years to be diagnosed. So it, initially it started with just a, a boil, a cyst on my underarm, and it was a very small one, you know, it was like the size of that, you know, half my nail. And it was, it didn't hurt or anything like that. But, you know, I went to see my GP because it wouldn't go after a few months. And then they just gave me some antibiotics and that just kind of started making it get bigger and bigger every other day to a point where it was like the size of a golf ball. And then I couldn't move my arm. Still then, I didn't think much of it. I just thought, you know, it's just a pus filled lump, I guess. Went to A&E. They told me I had to stay for an operation, had the operation, and then even then, I just thought I'm going to recover quick, which I did six weeks. I was back in the gym, back studying at the time I was studying my A-levels, and then it kind of never went away. It just got progressively worse over the years, and then it wasn't until late 2016 that you know, a dermatologist told me you have this skin condition called HS and I had never heard of it before. 
And in fact, when I tell people, most, in fact, 99 out of 100 people would have never heard of it as well. It's a very a very rare skin disease that only affects about 0.3% of the world population. And it goes undiagnosed a lot of the time. You know, when I spoke to my surgeon after my third operation, she said that most people would take six years for them to be correctly diagnosed with HS. And, you know, it has its stages, stage one, two, and three. And I feel as though if I was diagnosed early on, I may have not suffered as much as I did. And, you know, I'd see doctors so many times, yet they never really knew how to deal with it. And many said boxing was never going to happen anymore. Many said that I had to take very strong medication, which I did for about three seasons of my amateur career. You know, I was taking up to 16 tablets a day at times and they were very strong antibiotics. You know, um, two of my antibiotics, TB and HIV patients took that. And, you know, that just shows how strong and how severe the skin disease can be. Yeah, and I know you said before it was a tough one as well in terms of the sort of the the sort of physical side of what involved with the operations and you were sort of having to have a lot of dressings under your arms with the sort of the, the bleeding and things like that. It must have been, you know, a real challenge going through your, well, not just your boxing career, but sort of everyday life at the time, I imagine. <sighs> Get boxing for a moment. It was tough, man. It was so hard, honestly. Like, I remember even just sitting close to your friends, you know, you're kind of, insecure because you feel like do you smell are you going to start bleeding is it are your dressings going to stop you know leaking pus and and you know all these fluids which kind of have an odorous smell to it so then it just made me very uncomfortable within my body you know I couldn't the way I'm sitting down now when I had HS I have to put a pillow under my underarms just so that I can feel a little bit more comfortable. It made me feel very, very uncomfortable within my skin before anything else. And then in regards to sport, it was difficult at times because there's some days where you have multiple abscesses just formed overnight and it's very painful. However, I would say due to adrenaline kicking in, once you've warmed up, the pain kind of I would say doesn't it doesn't disappear, but you forget about it for that session. And then it's not until you've stopped training, you feel even more pain than you did before you went to training. But you know me, I held it down. I really love the sport that much and I just generally don't give up. And there was a point where all the doctors I was seeing and dermatologists were saying, you know, you can't, you can't box anymore. You won't be able to box to a high level if you know you keep suffering from HS and in fact most doctors told me that it's likely that I'll suffer from HS for the rest of my life which was very difficult to digest but there was one point where I just thought you know what this is me for the rest of my life having to wear dressings all the time having to you know I couldn't train in vests had to wear you know loose tops there was times when you know, I was sparring or I was even hitting the pads in the ring and then my dressings are falling on the ring canvas. And then, you know, people looking at me like, what the hell was that? And, you know, that in itself was also very embarrassing. And then, you know, personal life, having a girlfriend or 
you know, a partner, having to explain to them what it is, and most people not understanding and thinking that it's an issue related to hygiene or that, you know, somewhat you're dirty and all those things, it was, it's very difficult to, to deal with. And there was times when I was okay, but the majority of the time, it made me very low, you know, to just think about what I was going through. It was tough, you know, and that's, that's, that's away from sport. Sport kind of gave me an escape because when I go to the gym, as much as I'm in pain whilst warming up, once the adrenaline kicks in, once we get going, I completely forget about HS until I leave the gym. So, you know, as much as it was physically tough to train and to box suffering from HS, it also made me forget about it temporarily. Yeah, and you say that a lot of people told you you wouldn't be able to box and you were going to be, you were thinking you were going to be sort of dealing with it forever. What was the, um, what was the turning point in terms of the sort of treating it and getting it under control once it was diagnosed? When was the sort of turning point where you started to sort of get, get control over it and kind of move on from the worst, okay. worst parts? So in 2018, I boxed in the London ABA Championships and I lost to somebody that I knew I was better than. It was a very close fight, but I remember feeling very ill leading up to that fight, you know, due to the amount of abscesses I kept on getting that were forming and then rupturing, you know, around, you know, preparation for the fight. And after I lost that fight, you know, my coach told me to take a week out of the gym as, you know, he would. And then I said, you know what? I'm going to focus right now on literally ringing my GP, ringing them every day until they let they give me an appointment with a dermatologist. And then I did just that. They gave me the appointment and it was September 2018 I got the appointment. You know, you could imagine throughout the whole, from April 2018 to September 2018, I was ringing my GP every week. I said, please, like something needs to be done. I need to see a dermatologist or, you know, a skin specialist. And, you know, when I had my appointment, the dermatologist said, listen, there's three options. You know, you can take a jab once a week. Um, and I think it's called Humera. And, or you can take something called Roaccutane, which is, uh, very strong medication that's usually for people suffering from acne. And what that would have done for my HS was to dry out my skin completely. And, you know, HS attacks your sweat glands, right? But she said that if I go down those two options, I can kiss goodbye to my to boxing at any level because with, with the Rakutane, it has huge mental effects as well as physical effects. And as for the jab, she said that I would be aching for a prolonged period of time. So therefore, you know, there's, there's, a, there's a very slim chance I'll be able to compete at all. And then, you know, that was, that was like, damn. And then she said, you know what? We don't want you to take medication anymore. What you need to do is see this specialist plastic surgeon at the Royal Free Hospital called Barbara Jemek. And you know, she said that see her first, 
you know, she's dealt with, with many HS patients before. See her, find out what she says, and then we'll have another appointment and we'll decide what we shall do from here. Because at the time I was taking eight antibiotics a day and it was just kind of holding down the HS. Sometimes it was it would get worse, but it wouldn't be so bad because I was taking the strong antibiotics every day. But bear in mind, those antibiotics I was taking were for TB and HIV patients. Do you understand what I'm saying? So psychologically, it messed me up, as well as, it, you know, times would make me sick to my stomach. I would feel tired all the time, you know, and all those things. So when I did get the appointment with a plastic surgeon at the Royal Free, she just told me, you know what? It's a 50-50 operation, but I think you should do it. And for me, that gave me enough confidence. And I'm a risk taker. So 50% for me was better than doctors saying you won't be able to box again. Friends, family saying there's no point, you know, trying to pursue this boxing career because, I mean, look at you. You have to wear dresses all the time. You feel tired. There's times when you can't get up out of bed. So when she said 50%, that was like a hundred percent to me, you know. And she said, when do you want to have this operation? I said, as soon as possible. She booked me on November 8th, 2018, had the operation. And before I had the operation, she asked me, do you want to attack it one body part at a time? Because it actually affected me in three areas, not just my underarms. And I said, what's the difference? She said that, if you attack it one body part at a time, it'll take you longer to recover. However, it will be a lot easier. I said, do my whole body at the same time. And she said, well, you're going to wake up feeling like you got hit by a bus. And I said, it is what it is. Did the operation. And <laughs> when I woke up, it's crazy. It, it, was, it's, it was so crazy, you know. One day I'll hopefully put some type of docufilm together because I've actually, you know, a lot of it was filmed on my phone. And, you know, well, I, I couldn't sit up. I couldn't go to the toilet. I couldn't brush my teeth for, I literally couldn't brush my own teeth for about three weeks, let alone wash my face, let alone I couldn't walk for about a week. And I remember when I finally like properly woke up from my operation, I couldn't even hold my phone and type with the same hand. Like that's how much that third operation really affected me. However, it only took me about three months to recover. Whereas, you know, that's a long time. However, considering my first operation, I recovered within six weeks. My second operation, it took me eight months to recover. Like that for me was the toughest time of my life. So in a sense where we've had these three lockdowns, I feel as though this is my sixth time being here because, you know, I was basically confined to my bed three times before. And, you know, if you add it all up, it was for longer than a year, you know, six weeks, eight months, three months. Therefore, lockdown one and two, for me, essentially were very easy. Lockdown three has also been not difficult, but, you know, it's just made me think about, sorry, I'm going off topic, but it's really made me think that, wow, I'm definitely blessed. I'm grateful. 
you know, to have my health restored more than anything else. I remember Christmas Eve 2016, I couldn't get out of my bed and I had just won the London Novice Championships less than eight weeks prior. And I remember praying and saying, you know, God, why me? God, please give me a second chance, you know, at being healthy again. And when I get that chance, I promise I'm going to go hard. I promise I will never allow myself to be lazy again. And then, you know, fast forward now, we're sitting in a pandemic. I haven't had my pro debut yet. I've been signed with, you know, Frank Warren for about coming up to a year. And as much as that's frustrating, the most important thing in these time periods is just being grateful for having our health because it's... I can't believe it, but a year later, we're still in this situation. Yeah, it's crazy how long it's gone on. But with them, um, so with the third operation, was it you obviously woke up and you were sort of, you were in a really, really bad sort of place for a few weeks pain wise. But did you, like, did the surgeons know as soon as you had the operation that it had kind of, it had worked? Or was it a case of, of a waiting game then as well in terms of finding out if it had actually sort of, solved the problem was it a waiting game or did they know sort of straight away that the operation had been a success um it was okay so when i woke up from the operation i had huge stressors all over my body you know they took the skin from my um from my bum um on both sides and a large amount i mean the size of my hand really and truly yeah on both sides and then they replaced the skin they literally removed my sweat glands and my underarms replace that skin with the skin from my bum. And you couldn't remove the dressings for a week. So, you know, I was in bed. I couldn't move. I didn't know what it looked like. I was just stuck like this, literally. And then when they removed the dressings, I had someone film it. And that's the clip that I put on Instagram. And it was at that moment that the doctors and the nurses looked at it and they said, okay, one side has is you know, doing very well. And the other side, the skin, which they actually stapled to me, had slipped. So meaning that, you know, it could take longer to recover on one side. But then at the same time, you know, Barbara Jemmett, the surgeon, she said, you know, it's a 50-50 operation. You won't know whether the HS will continue or not until you're recovered to an extent. And, but to be fair, at that time, I didn't think about it like that. You know, once I had the operation and I saw, you know, what it looked like, I was very shocked, but I was more so shocked that, wow, it looks like this, but I don't feel as bad as it looks, if that made sense. However, I was in a lot of um, <laughs> drugs in the hospital, so I didn't really feel too much. I actually spent my, near enough, two weeks in the hospital laughing and smiling all the time which was very different to my first two operations. However, it was not easy. When I say I couldn't go to the toilet for a number two to poop before, but I had to, I had to literally save it to one, one day a week for about a month because what would happen is because the skin on my bum had been removed, if I move a certain type of way, I'd literally end up in the ambulance. And that was when I got home. And that actually happened, you know. I remember crawling 
to the toilet and then, you know, sitting down on the toilet seat. And then it was like one false movement. And it's like a body goes in shock. And I remember just calling the ambulance. I couldn't make it back to my room. And it was only about five meters away. And, you know, two ambulance ladies had to come and get me. It was quite embarrassing because, you know, I wasn't dressed. <laughs> and, you know, they had to kind of dress me. I didn't even finish doing my business on the toilet. And then I was like shocked because I'm like, damn, now. I can't eat too much because I can't go to the toilet. Do you understand what I'm saying? So, and then on top of that, to weed, you know, the hospital gave me this, this like weed pot. And then I literally had to lean to the side ever so slightly and, you know, wean that pot. And that was me for a month. I had to move back to my mom's house for her to look after me. My mom had to literally bathe me like I was a baby again. And, you know, that was, that was very difficult, you know, because in hospital, you know, it was all right. You know, there were, the nurses were coming to you every 20, 30 minutes. But once I got home, that's when it hit hard, like, damn, I've got to lay on this bed for three months or however long it's going to be. In my mind, I was thinking, okay, if my second operation took eight months, I could be laid down for a year. Do you understand what I'm saying? But what was different this time is that, I mentally prepared for this operation for a year. I knew I had never covered, recovered from operation one or two. So therefore I was like, you know what, for a year straight every day, I'm thinking about this operation that I need to have that I didn't know what the operation was at the time. And I'm so glad I didn't know because if I had seen the visuals that I put out on Instagram, if I had seen something like that from somebody else, you would have had to, drag me to the hospital, you know, I had to literally drug me <laughs> to get me in that hospital bed because I'm not doing it. However, I'll just really like to say that it looked and looks really bad. It wasn't easy, but it's definitely worth it, in my opinion. Yeah. And do you think looking back now, do you think going through, you know, all those experiences kind of changed your perspective on, on life a little bit, made you sort of see, see things differently and sort of you think it's all it's changed you at all as as a person going through all that? Hundred percent, it's changed me so much. I appreciate sometimes, all the time, the simplest things in life. Now you know. Do you know how hard it is to hold in everything for a week just to go to the toilet once? Do you know how hard it is, or how frustrating it is to be unable to wash your face, your your face to brush your teeth. You know, these are things that we take for granted. Like ever since my operation, I actually enjoy brushing my teeth because I remember the two weeks I couldn't and I just felt so dirty. You could imagine it. They didn't, the nurses didn't really brush my teeth. They never really like washed my face for a week. I had to lay in my blood as well and I was bleeding excessively in the hospital. You know, it had to just dry up because they couldn't remove the dressings or change them. So, when you go through that, everything else, in a sense, is easy. And going through those three operations, I was forced to learn to be patient. So that's why, in a sense, I've been pro for a year now. I haven't had my debut yet, but I'm patient. And I'm also just grateful. Do you understand what I'm saying? Because things could be a lot worse. I've been there. I remember what it was like to physically be unable to do some simple tasks. Do you understand what I'm saying? So 
having said that, man, I'm just so grateful all the time. When I wash my face, I remember when I brush my teeth now, it's like, it's like a, it's almost like a hobby for me now. Before I used to, oh, damn, I gotta go brush my teeth before I sleep. Now I'm trying to brush my teeth two, three, four times a day. <laughs> and um, what was the process of, like you say, you couldn't do those sort of simple tasks. You were sort of unable to do a lot of things for a long time. What was the process from that to then getting back in the boxing gym? And how long did it take until you were able to sort of eat yourself back into boxing again? You know what? It was pretty weird because before my operation, um, the surgeon said to me, I, I asked her, how long will it take for me to recover? She said eight weeks. I said, nah, don't lie, please. Like, seriously, how long will it take to recover? She said about eight weeks. In about eight weeks, you'll be able to start exercising to a degree. She wasn't lying. Eight weeks later, within six weeks, my underarms recovered. It took a bit, a, a little, a little bit longer for my bottom to recover because what had happened was I just kept on bleeding out. So they had to keep changing the dressings which kind of every time you take them off, it was peeling a little bit of skin off, if that makes sense. Yeah. So literally eight weeks, I was fully recovered. The difference is I couldn't get straight back in the gym because, you know, my body became stiff. I became very lazy. I spent the eight weeks watching everything on Netflix. And, you know, physically, it wasn't that hard. It was more so mentally because... You know, imagine laying down all day, every day for two months straight. And then my doctors said to me, you know what? Give it another month for you to return to, you know, boxing and training. So it took about 12 weeks for me to get back in the gym. And, you know, in comparison to the video, I feel as though 12 weeks is a very quick turnover, you know. And it wasn't that difficult when I got back in the gym. I remember my doctor literally giving me the green light. I called my coach the very next day. I said, coach, we're back. And I was so nervous before my first training session because as much as I felt good, I didn't know how my body would respond. Do you understand what I'm saying? So I remember just being so anxious, being so nervous before my first session. And then when I hit the pads, I said, oh, wow, I feel good. And then it was weird because, you know, obviously the timing was out and all those things. I wasn't fit, but I genuinely felt good. If somebody had come in the gym and watched me hit the pads, they'll just think, you know, he's unfit. He hasn't been training, but they wouldn't think that I had the operation that I had, you know, all till now when I train, when I do anything, people wouldn't think that my body had been through what it went through. And and in such a quick turnover as well, you know, three months I was back in the gym, four, five, six months in, I was still, you know, getting fit, but you would have never thought I had one operation, let alone three major operations. And it's obviously been very delayed, but when it finally comes to your, your professional debut, I guess it'll be a, a pretty proud moment. How do you think you'll feel when you sort of walk into the ring for the for the first time after, you know, everything you've been through? You know what? Now that you say that, you know, as you can see from the smile on my face, I'm so excited. I can't wait. I can't wait to to really show, to showcase my skills. You know, I believe that I have a lot of natural um, talent and I'm also 
a great student. I listen to what my coaches have to say. I'm always studying the sport of boxing. So essentially, the longer it takes, the better I'm just going to be. You know, I'm staying ready. I'm always in the gym. I don't drink alcohol, never been drunk in my life, never taken any substances or any drugs. So it's like, generally speaking, I'm very healthy. And, you know, can you imagine me winning the London Championships, taking 16 tablets a day, right, to completely healthy, no medication whatsoever, no issues with my health at all. I just feel like I'm going to be unstoppable once I get through those ropes. And once, you know, in a sense, they let me out the cage and I get to showcase my skills on TV, I think that everybody will see, wow, he's going to be something big. 